You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Linda Sousa, the founder at 42 Muses. The archetype that you choose for the company has to be a representation, not just of yourself, but also your customers and what they're looking for from you. Hey there, I hope you have a good beginning of the summer here and thank you for tuning in to the SAS Nordic podcast once again. And uh, here we are, Daniel. How are you today? Very good. Very good. Sun is shining. Fun episodes ahead of us. So this is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, guy, buddy? Like, are you hanging out in the hammock? Anything? I try to uh, to spend some quality time in the hammock for sure. I would say that's my happy place around here. I know when you're in the hammock. I know you're not reading a book. I know you have the phone with you. Like, so like I have the phone. I might have the iPad. Are you listening to something? Are you playing a game? Or are you reading something? Like, what what's the go-to hammocks, phone, or iPad relax mode? It could be me watching a YouTube clip, um, just scrolling on TikTok, or uh, perhaps uh, playing a poker game. Okay. So so when, when you're on YouTube, like what are, what does Thomas Huelbay, <laughs> what is the go-to YouTube channel? I'm following some current trends in, in, the, in the public space, but besides that, it's a lot about uh, pinball right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at pinball tournaments, tutorials and stuff, I'm actually going to play in a tournament uh, tomorrow. Um, the unofficial Swedish championship for uh, Gottlieb games, German pinball games from the 60s and the 70s. So um, Exciting. Not, not, not random at all, but exciting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. You know, we're all different people and personalities. And that's a little bit what we're going to talk about, like the personalities of brands in this episode, right? Nice segue, Daniel. All right. You see how I teed that up? Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's go there. Today, we are super happy to have Linda Sousa, the founder at 42 Muses, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So warm welcome, Linda. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. It's great to have you here. And I have to ask you right away. We're going to ask you about the, you know who you are and what you're all about. But mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like 42 Muses, mm-hmm. like where does the name come from? Ah, glad you asked. So uh, 42 is from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's the answer to every question in the universe. Okay. And Muse... Deep, deep. <laughs> Daniel, I just want to say, you were aware of that. Uh, I, I had no idea. I, I haven't put it on the website yet. Okay. It's just in yeah. my head. Okay. But, and, you know, as a marketing person, I like to... Um, I think everything is a, a little bit of a muse when you're looking for inspiration and ideas for different campaigns or strategies or whatever. So that's that's the two pieces come together and so what's your muse when it comes to creativity um it really depends i mean sometimes it's nice just you know you go out for a walk and things that i random very random things that i see and take pictures of something on the ground or in someone's yard or you know i'll see like some little miniature gnome village out of nowhere or sometimes i'm just taking a picture of a blank wall you know or i'll i'll be brushing my teeth and inspiration will strike you just never know wow okay i had i had no idea and i've known you for many years (laughs) sorry (laughs) 
<laughs> I thought Linda was one of the people that you knew uh, most in the world here, but uh, yeah, this, this is going to be interesting in, in many ways today. Um, so, so Linda, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and what you do? Yes. So I've been in the B2B SaaS world for more than 20 years. Yes, SaaS has been around for more than 20 years. I had a few people question me about that because they didn't believe it. We just called it ASP, uh, Application Service Providers, back in the days when I first started in this business. Um, but yeah, so I've been doing B2B SaaS startups um, for quite some time, uh, both early stage as well as growth stage companies. And uh, a lot of times I come in, um, well, it's, it's different. Each company is a little bit different, but I would say more often than not, I come into a company where they've started to do some marketing already. Maybe they have one or two junior people, or maybe it's just spread out amongst different people doing bits and pieces of marketing, usually the founders or something when they have time and they really need someone to formalize it a little more, build the foundation and help expand and start generating demand and so forth. You've been in marketing for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. What's so fun about marketing? Or um, I guess the problem solving, because uh, it's really about how, how do I get inside the minds of consumers, figure out what it is that makes them tick, what they want, and then how do we position ourselves accordingly to make whatever it is that we're selling, which is usually not super interesting, <laughs> the most fascinating <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> uh. It's a challenge. <laughs> it is indeed. Yeah. And uh, uh, what, what do you help companies with right now? What, what are typical products that you do? Um, so some is around branding and awareness, um, just kind of solidifying uh, who, who they are as a company and what they stand for and how they present themselves to the market, as well as some go-to-market advisory work, um, I've done a little bit in the past with helping European companies with U.S. market entry and expansion. Um, and then, of course, I do do some work on the uh, marketing execution side, too. So it really just depends on the client and what their specific need is. But because I've been marketing for quite some time, <laughs> I've, I'm versed in many aspects of marketing. And if there's an area that I'm not uh, as well versed in or if I need extra support, then that's when I team up with other people. Um, in my network, and, and we jointly tackle projects. All right. Great. And uh, it was great having you at uh, Sassiest uh, a month ago or so. And uh, if, you, if you missed Linda's um, session there, I suggest that you find it at sassiest.tv, or there will probably be a, an article about that on the website later on. But also, I think it's worth to mention and dig a little bit uh, down in yours and Daniel's uh, relationship. You you know each other for many years. So, mm -hmm. yeah, how come? Do we have to go there? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, long story short, and like maybe Linda, you remember it uh, differently, but um, uh, we met by uh, coincidence. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Linda found out that I was running uh, SaaS slash. It was more of a hybrid company, you know, single tenant. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think in the beginning you described here like they had started doing some marketing and the founders were doing. I was not the founder, but I was like 
the the head of the U.S. president in the, in the U.S. of this German company, mm-hmm. and not to offend anybody, but our marketing just sucked. <laughs> and then uh, in 2008, we really struggled. You know, there was a financial crisis and so on. I think we were like on the brink of running the company into bankruptcy. At least the U.S. entity that I ran. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I asked Linda to come in and help a little bit, uh, and uh, that's how we. We saved the business, <laughs> and it was a it was a good business after that. Uh, that uh, we ran for many years, not together, but you helped me a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and then we became friends. That's right. And at some point, we even lived together, <laughs> platonically. But, uh, yes, yes. And I think also you and your wife or to be wife and Linda lived together and also also yeah. <laughs> also uh, and all of those so I, I take in strays <laughs> I mean it was like you know I, I was young I uh, I lived in a place like a really nice place Linda you remember that mm-hmm. with like views and pools yeah, and pool stuff and everything yeah. and at, some, at one, one point I realized like it's probably over my budget can't afford it <laughs> and Linda had a massive house so I was like hey friend <laughs> Can I rent a room? Uh, and then we lived together for like five years or something, right? Uh, yep, and and made bad food together. Yeah, <laughs> so you probably know uh, the type and the personality traits of of Daniel quite well. We're not gonna go deeper into that, but we are gonna go deeper into the personality types and traits. I can help you otherwise, Thomas. Is like good looking, funny, sweet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, but instead, if we apply this to to companies and and how they can present themselves, there is something called brand archetypes that I don't know anything about. So that's going to be our main topic for today. And starting with that, what are brand archetypes? Uh, one of my favorite things in marketing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, brand archetypes. Uh, actually, archetypes in general have been around for a long time. Uh, I think uh, actually since Plato, if you can believe it, it just wasn't ever applied to business until oh around 2000, I think. Um, but in the early 1900s, Carl Jung, the Swiss uh, psychiatrist, actually came up with the 12 archetype descriptions specifically, um, where it's kind of a universal set. It's like different character types um, that people just automatically understand no matter who you are or where you're from because it's like this universal set of characteristics that people inherently understand so for example if I say hero you kind of understand what a hero is or certain characteristics if I say um, outlaw or rebel you know you you have a sense of what that is so there are 12 of these that apply to people and by the way this is used a lot in storytelling generally speaking so even in writing and in movies and things like that and then on or around 2000 that's when we first started applying them um, to business and to marketing specifically when we talk about a company and its brand all right then so how are these useful for for businesses? I mean, is it just something that uh, the marketing team are sitting up and, and you know modeling with, or can it have really a true business impact? Sorry if I offend any marketing teams here, but <laughs> no, it's a fair question, um, and I think it absolutely does have significant business impact if you do it right. Uh, and I, 
and I can, I'll tell you a story about it in a second, but um, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that's really important in marketing is that we're connecting with our audience, with our potential buyers and with our clients. And we're speaking to them in a way that um, resonates with them. And everything is about storytelling and building these connections and building that relationship over time. And that's how really great brands are built. There's something behind it. You can't like, it's just like with a person, you can't be all things to all people. You have some sort of persona, right? That people connect to, that they like, that they enjoy, and that they also want to be kind of a reflection of them as well. So um, you know, if you take something like um, Harley Davidson, for example, you can, you know, that's that's kind of the outlaw or the rebel archetype. And clients, people that are buying that, you know, you you could be you could make a, a middle aged accountant dress all in black leather and feel cool about himself. You know, that's appealing. It's something. <laughs> no that's, offense to accountants, but they're not cool normally. <laughs> no, <laughs> just as an example. But, um, you know, one of the companies that I worked at, uh, it's since been acquired, but uh, its name was Central Desktop. And um, when I joined, one of the things that we did was figure out what should our brand archetype be. And we did actually, uh, the gesture was the archetype that we used because we were going after marketing agencies and marketing departments. So we figured we're marketing to marketers. We can be fun. We can be creative. We can toe the line, kind of push boundaries a little bit. Humor is okay. Um, and in fact, would be welcome to help us, you know, stand out in the crowd. Um, so, and it was also very authentic to who the CEO was and some of the people internally working there. So it felt like a natural fit. And by the time I left, so it was a few years, um, I guess I was there for about five years. Um, you know, you have to execute on the, it's all in the execution too. So not just defining who it is, your archetype is, but then executing consistently on that to really build that presence. Right. And by the time I left, I had, um, you know, even the, the CTO and some of the heads of engineering who typically are pretty skeptical about marketing and what we do and whether it actually works. And they were just... Um, it, the things that we did was some of their favorite marketing things ever. Um, and, you know, I got some really great feedback too, just, you know, about, Hey, I never thought anything like this would ever work. And just so, so impressed with what it's done for us and, and so forth. This must've been, how many years was this? Because even I, as an outsider, remember two of your campaigns. You do. The I remember. I hope it was at, at that company. But I remember two campaigns you did that also got some publicity. It was the uh, the oversized gentleman in a tutu, <laughs> uh, like an angel. Yeah. And then I I remember the the keys in the envelope. Oh yes, that was our breakup campaign. Yeah. So that they they both went to our persona, our archetype. Um, but the first one, the so we called him Collaboration Angel because it was collaboration software. And yeah, it was like a middle-aged guy with long hair and a beard. And I put him in a wife beater tank top with our logo and a tutu and wings. And we had, you know, at an event, a little bed of clouds for him to sit in and so forth. And it was a marketing event. And I remember when I saw him walk out of the bathroom in this outfit, I thought, oof, this is either going to be 
brilliant or I'm going down in flames. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Nobody remembers a coward, Linda. <laughs> it was funny because I didn't tell the CEO that we were doing that. Um, and he, apparently he, he was at that event. He saw a few people that he knew before he made our way, his way to the booth. And they asked him like, what is happening in your booth? <laughs> what is going on? He's like, what do you mean? And they were like, you know what? You just have to see it. <laughs> just, just go see it. So thank goodness he loved it. <laughs> we're going to have that as our, uh, Picture for the episode, this, this gentleman in, uh, in his tutu. Oh, I have pictures. Yeah, I can give it to you. Sounds great. So I'm thinking about one thing. Um, in the B2B SaaS industry, what archetypes would you say could be in play there? And uh, do you have any thoughts of different types of companies? What would fit them good? So there are some archetypes that lend themselves to different types of companies, Um it really just depends, though, because you could really apply just about any archetype to any space. Uh, and sometimes if you go a little outside the box and maybe take an archetype that isn't traditionally used, that could be really interesting. Um, but there are some, you know, so, for example, one of the archetypes is caregiver. That tends to be like nonprofits and healthcare mm. and things like that, um, you know, things related to children, for example. Um uh, things like the hero uh, tends to be athletic, yeah. you know, like Nike, just do it and stuff like that. It would be interesting to just hear some company examples and, and what archetype they, they use. I mean, it doesn't have to be B2B SaaS, but ju just to see how it's applied. That's putting you on the test. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, so I would say, uh, so one good example um, of the gesture that's B2B. Uh, and I'm not sure they do it so much anymore, but rev.com, which is the transcription services. Okay. Um, for a while there, they were using the gesture pretty successfully, uh, but it was mostly because their head of content was really good at writing that type of content. I'm not sure if they're still, they're still doing that. Um, uh, Ted, uh, like Ted talks and so forth. I would say they are probably the sage. Um, because that's all about wisdom and knowledge sharing and things like that. Um, so that's where I would categorize them. I'm trying to think B2B examples specifically. B2C is always really uh, really easy. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm going to, if we just pause there for a second, you know, because as an outsider where we sit, Thomas and I, obviously we get in touch with a lot of companies. And mm -hmm. personally, at least, I feel that, if I just take LinkedIn, mm -hmm. everybody is trying to either be funny or be like you described sage. This is like, you know, I am the guru or my company is the guru. We're going to provide you the most uh, wisdom that there is. But I would say nine out of 10 times, I just speak for myself now. Mm -hmm. I feel they're neither funny nor the source of wisdom. So it comes in short somehow. Like, Well, that's all in the execution. That's why the execution is so hard to get right. Because a lot of times humor is hard to get right. It needs to tie into your product in a way that's meaningful and relevant where people can kind of connect the dots. But it also has to be original. Right. And so much of what we see is not really original and kind of feels like people are trying too hard. Yeah, because I sometimes feel that, you know, it's, I don't know. Uh, there's probably some marketers that are going to send me emails now, but... I can almost imagine that they've sat in a corner in some, you know, Monday meetup and said, like, 
we got to be more uh, social and more out there and let's try to be funny. So all of us start posting stuff on LinkedIn and let's be funny or, or the other way around, you know, let's, let's do a podcast and we're going to like drop some knowledge every Monday on people mm-hmm. and it feels forced and it doesn't go all the way. So I wonder like, like, is there a process for how you figure out what archetype you should be or, or not be? Uh, there is. Um, so, well, I guess there are multiple ways you can go about it, but, um, and I have done it in multiple ways. Uh, one of the things, so first thing to remember is it's uh, both a reflection of your prospects and customers, as well as you internally as a customer, uh, as a company rather. Um, so sometimes what I like to do when I'm doing an archetype exercise before I go through who all of the archetypes are individually, I'll throw out a few different words and see how, like have people rank it on a scale of one to 10 and kind of see where they fall. Interesting. We we should do, we should do that exercise at some point here in this episode. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, but yeah, to see like which words resonate or don't resonate, I can even score it. Um, which phrases resonate or don't resonate. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sometimes you can even do, I've done like surveys, like just actual online surveys. Um, I think it's helpful um, sometimes if you even ask people, you know, of these three well-known characters, for example, which one feels most like who we want to be as a company? So do we want to be Yoda or do we want to be Ted Lasso or do we want to be, I don't know. Ted Lasso is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he is. I it love is. Ted Lasso. I'm a, I'm a Ted Lasso. <laughs> Me too. I, I was glued to the TV for the finale. But um, yeah, so sometimes, you know, that helps That helps to really crystallize it for people as well. When you can personify it with a character, mm-hmm. um, that it gives them something to identify with. But again, then you always also have to take it back to, well, what is our customer looking for from us with our product? Do they want to get smarter? Do they want to learn? Do they want to be entertained? Do they want to feel like a badass? You know, what is it that they're looking for from us? Right. Um, And sometimes it's good, you know, like I said, to have an archetype that maybe is a little atypical for the space that you're in. And if you execute on it well, it could really make you stand out. You know, if everybody's trying to be funny, then maybe you don't pick the gesture. Maybe you pick something else. Mm. From your perspective, uh, doesn't matter, B2B, B2C. Mm-hmm. What is the coolest brand out there that you feel like they really nail- nailed their brand archetype? They really got it right. Um, so there are a lot that do it well um, in their lane. Um, you know, if you take something like a Disney, not that I say that they're particularly cool. They're just very good with their brand. Like they're kind of like the magician, magical fantasy. Imagine what the world could be. It's just so consistent through every aspect of what they do. You know, you say Disney and you kind of, you get a feeling, you know what they are, right? Right. So it's those brands that over time like that have done a really good job that it just sticks with you. Um, I would say like a, a newer 
B2B brand, uh, and I should have mentioned them for the gesture, but um, I think Lavender AI, actually, mm-hmm. I would say they, uh, from what I've seen of them, they seem to embody the gesture brand, for example. And what I've seen has been pretty consistent. I, I haven't been following them for a long time, but um, I think they've been doing a good job. <laughs> We actually, uh, there's a funny story with them. Uh, they do things really different and you know how at conferences everybody is doing their side event and so on mm-hmm. at one of the, the the last big conferences in our space they uh, rented uh, a space which was uh, an english or irish pub uh, which is nothing nothing weird with that but they hosted a rave party there and they had the giraffes like really? blow up giraffes it's like so weird but it was funny were they purple giraffes don't remember yeah the, don't remember what the pictures were probably yeah uh, here in the US um i don't know if you see this as much uh overseas but um the insurance companies yeah gecko yeah it all, all started with geico and their gecko um back in the late 90s early 2000s and then a whole bunch of insurance companies now have have also adopted humor and kind of a little bit of that gesture-like persona, um, you know, for a lot of their marketing. Because, you know, up until that point, insurance is something, it's kind of a dry, boring industry. A lot of the offerings are very much the same. Nobody wants to buy this. We're forced to buy this. So, you know, they found a way to differentiate themselves. Um, and they all execute on it. So many of them use humor as their way of executing but they all execute on the humor a little bit differently um, which is interesting PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company you want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time my news desk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place my news desk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. Like you said here that obviously you have to take into consideration like who do you want to be and you know what type of profiles you have in the company, the founders and so on, but also like your customers like how how far can can you stretch it like mm-hmm. is there a no go can i be like you know we are i'm just shooting from the hip here producing the next covid vaccine we're going to be funny about it <laughs> <laughs> not going to work <laughs> exactly so uh, like how much does the you know outside of your doors outside of your office doors influence like maybe i want to be funny but the market is not going to accept it at the end of the day the people who are giving you money Yeah. Their their opinion is the most relevant opinion of all. Right. And, and like and and do I ask them like would you like to buy from a serious insurance company or from a funny insurance company? <laughs> no, because they wouldn't know. But I mean you, you could ask them what they care about in this type of product or whatever right. and have some questions that would kind of lead back to some of the archetypes. Obviously, 
even when you look at the archetypes, when you're thinking about your own company, when you go through all 12, there are going to be some that right off the bat, you're like, that's not us. That's not us. That's not us. Right. You know, cause you know, you're, it doesn't resonate with you. It's not something that resonates with your buyers or whatever. Um, but yeah, there are absolutely some, you know, when I worked for Everbridge, that was disaster recovery space. Uh, you know, and, and the people we were selling to, their job was to think about the worst possible scenario that could happen to the company and then plan for it. So would I have used humor? Mm, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so can you work with two or three archetypes at the same time, or should you really stick to one and double down on that? So you could have a major and a minor. I wouldn't suggest more than that. Okay. Um, but sometimes there's like a hint of something that just kind of creeps its way in. So, um, for example, when I was working at CareerWork uh, most recently in the um, talent acquisition space, our archetype was a combination of um, magician and uh, jester, actually. And my embodiment of that was, um, have you ever seen uh, the photo of Albert Einstein sticking his tongue out? Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's very I iconic. And the idea behind that is you can be an authoritative and an expert and have knowledge to share, transformational knowledge, but also not take yourself so seriously either. Um, so I think that there are some nuances that you can work into what you what you do as an archetype. I would not do more than two. Otherwise, it's just going to be too confused and then you won't sound like anybody. Watch us walk around with our tongues out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah did that strike a nerve, Daniel? Uh, I have put my tongue out a few times if that's no. what you're... <laughs> No, not exactly that. <laughs> it's like, I'm just, let's, let's be cautious where we're going with this. <laughs> no, uh, I was more going to, you know, providing knowledge while not take yourself too seriously. Something like that. Yes, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> That'll be your next uh, sassiest t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. The Daniel Collector Series, the Thomas Collector Series. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have given you both, both of so much joy in your life and so many quotes that will that will forever be with you. That's true. I've used some of your quotes yeah? in the the literal English translation. Yeah, in you know in meetings before talking about product market fit, I used one of your quotes. I said, "Even the blind chicken finds the corn sometimes," and we're not finding corn. That's a problem. <laughs> Wait. It's a great quote. Uh, <laughs> yes, I remember that. Uh, so, you know, in, in Sweden, not like everybody listening to this is not necessarily from Sweden, but we have this saying like uh, to put lipstick on a pig. Oh, we have that too. Uh, you guys have that too as well. Yeah. Like, but you didn't have the to buy the cat in the bag or there's a cat in the bag. I don't know how it translates. Let a cat out of the bag. And there's something about a pig in the bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that one's yours, yeah. not mine, but yeah. we have let the cat out of the bag. Okay, well, we're not going to go in there. <laughs> but anyway, Th Thomas, you had a good segue. Let, let, let's run with it. Like, you know, the segue, the tongue out, knowledge and funny. No, but, uh, you know, of course, sitting here, we're, of course, thinking about uh, what we are. Uh, at SAS Nordic and Sassiest with what we do, what archetypes we would represent. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Linda, from an outside perspective? So I would say, because um, part of it is about knowledge, but there's a big community aspect too. Yeah. But then everybody is also 
looking to innovate. Uh, you could be a couple different ones. Maybe you should throw out some words and we'll say yes or no, or ho- however you do this test. Uh, yeah, no problem. So I'm going to be keeping score and I'm going to be going through my words all the time, same time. So <clears throat> I might, it might just... This might be the end of Sassanody. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, okay. So there's 24 words. We can go through them pretty quickly. And yep. so what I want you to do is rate these on a scale of 1 to 10 and 1 means not at all like does not feel like us does not feel like our our buyers or our audience at all okay and 10 is yes that is us in every way okay yeah is this describing us now or is this describing us how we would like to be perceived but maybe we're not there yet i would say how you would like to be perceived right because okay. you're you're always aiming towards what is the brand that you want to build and who do you want to be gotcha and not just staying staying in place so we're ready we're ready okay let's do this partner yeah disruptive five seven okay edgy nine eight okay transformational six Six. oh wow you guys really agreed on that one uh magical nine Eight. Okay. Brave. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's go for a ten. Okay. Determined. Ten. Nine. Okay. Empathetic. Ten. Ten. Hmm. Okay. Uh, indulgent. What does indulgent mean? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Google says having or I- indicating a readiness or over readiness to be generous to or lenient with somebody. Is that true? Or did I spell it wrong? Yeah, it's some of that, but I'm thinking about it more like not spoiled, but liking nice things and treating yourself and that type of stuff. Five. Four. Okay. Playful. Nine. Ten. Funny. Eight. Ten. (laughs) Okay. Inclusive. Ten. Ten. Okay. Uh, Friendly. Ten. Ten. You guys are giving like almost all ten to. It's it's not going to work out. (laughs) No, no, because it it still will. Mm. Um, Caring. Ten. Ten. It's not, this is not working out, Thomas. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to make some decisions. Yeah. Reassuring. Seven. Eight. Okay. Commanding. Six. What? Uh, four. <laughs> okay. Prosperous. Seven. Eight. Okay. Oh, almost there. Inspirational. Eight. Nine. Okay. <clears throat> Visionary. Seven. Six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> no vision. <laughs> optimistic. Eight. Ten. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the optimist says ten. Yeah. <laughs> Wholesome. Eight. Nine. Okay. Wise. Seven. Yeah, let's go for a seven. 
Okay. Informative. Strong eight. Nine. Okay. Two more. Fearless. Nine. Yeah, let's go for nine. And adventurous. Six. Eight. <laughs> Six and eight. Okay. And then um, was there one word that I said that really stood out to you? But like, do I remember this wrong? Was it something related to joyful or? There was a playful. Playful. That's your word? I like that one. Okay. I like that one. All right. I go for empathic. All right. So, oops. Hold on. <laughs> oops. Error. <laughs> That's not good. Error. No, no, That's not I, good. I put uh, Daniel's word in Thomas's column here. Okay. So, Daniel, for you, the high one, it comes out jester number one. Yes. And then every man and hero are kind of tied for number two. And then for Thomas, uh, lover is number one. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and your number two is every man, uh, which corresponds with Daniel's every man. Um, and then your jester was kind of in the next spot after that. Okay. So, yeah. so it sounds like we could do Jester and Lover. Um, so combined, let me see. Jester is number one and actually every man is number two combined. All right. Okay. I'm good with that. I mean, we have a lover and a hero uh, and then s- sort of uh, some kind of Jester, every man uh, sub, subgroup. So who, who are you on a personality level in this 12 scale from Mr. Young? Well, I can tell you the ones that I like, but who <laughs> the the archetype that you choose for the company has to be a representation not just of yourself but also your customers and what they're looking for from you um, and what you're they're looking for from your product. Um, so personally, I tend to like the jester. Yeah. Um, it just appeals to me. And that is an archetype that I've applied at several companies because it fit. It was authentic to the market they were going after. And it was authentic to the company, which is important. Um, but it's not, even if it's my personal preference, I wouldn't necessarily apply it to everything if it doesn't fit. Right. And the, the gesture is funny. Yeah. Kind of tongue in cheek, funny, Everything is also on a scale. So, you know, if you think about the gesture at one far end is like silly, right. dumb humor. And at the other end is a little more sarcastic, um, highbrow type humor. Right. So even how you portray those characteristics can be different from company to company. Oh, it's, it's really interesting. And, uh, like I think I think it's one thing to to uh, define this and identify this, and God knows we try to be in our channels to be you know uh, funny or playful and uh, also informative and so on. Uh, but h- how do you actually execute on this? You've decided you're going to be this. Is it like mm. like are there certain channels or like how, how do you go about this if you're a B two B SaaS company and you want to be perceived as the lover out there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So um, 
Before we go into the execution, though, just one quick word on... So obviously, we just went through a bunch of words and we came up with some scoring and stuff. Yeah. But you should actually go a little deeper than that. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, and then also, like, really think about, you know, does that fit and look at the, you know, the examples and think about how you would execute and how your audience would respond to it and so forth. And that's when you kind of land on the right thing. Right. So this is just kind of like a sneak preview, like a, an indicator directionally. Gotcha. But can you send that over? Was that some material that that is savable or maybe it's gone forever? Uh, no, no, I have it. Yeah, I can, um, I'll clean it up and save it and send it to you. Yeah, and I want to give a, a comment on the commanding there. It might have been, you know, I'm trying to keep the Slack channel in, in check and those kind of things. So I feel you have to have the strong hand as well sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> totally understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of execution, so this is where you really need to tie it into... Um, like, how do you tie it back to the product and how your your buyer is going to use the product and what they want out of it? And then, you know, how it manifests itself is in everything from the images you choose to the content you put together to even some of the, you know, if you do some guerrilla marketing or, or things like that. Like, all of these things really tie together. So, um, you know, if... if um, you know, you're trying to evoke a certain sentiment or a certain connection or feeling. It's like, you know, if if my brand archetype is the lover, for example, then what does my imagery need to look like to make it feel like we're having that type of connection? Uh, maybe that's not a good one to choose. Cause <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if it's uh, like, let's say, you know, the every man, which is about belonging and community and being comfortable and having good a good life or whatever, you know, what is the imagery I would use to evoke that? And what are the types of, what's my word choice to evoke that, that people can really identify with? And, you know, what I do as well when I'm putting together like different campaigns um, or different tactics or whatever, you know, like for in the career uh, central desktop example that you mentioned that uh, the angel, the booth angel, um, you know, we were putting together our trade show presence and I kind of, you know, at some point I asked myself, I feel like, does this feel like the gesture? And it's like, no, something is missing. All right, well, we're cloud software. What's in the cloud? Well, angels are in the cloud, but it can't be like a cool, like Victoria's Secret angel because that's too expected and that doesn't fit gesture so what would i do to signify in the cloud in a gesture type way and that's how this kind of character was born and then we carried him through onto the website and onto like valentine's day greetings on social media oh yes and you know back when vine was a thing and you know, holiday cards and emails and things like that. You know, we used him in a lot in videos. We used him in a lot of different ways. So it's really always using that archetype as your North Star. Mm -hmm. And when you're, you know, putting together that campaign, just thinking about, you know, does this speak to my archetype? Am I embodying that? And it gets easier over time. The beginning is always the tricky part when you're kind of finding your way. Kind of like when you watch early TV shows, you know, you watch the pilot or, or those early episodes and 
you know, the characters haven't quite figured out who they are. And then, um, like, I know, Daniel, you're watching Ted Lasso. Yeah. You know, Roy Kent in the beginning of Ted Lasso is a slightly different character. Just his voice is different. Yeah. His voice is higher pitched. It's gruffer in later episodes and later seasons. And, you know, some of the the characteristics that really make him interesting and unique are more, not exaggerated, but they're more um, pronounced right. in later episodes as they find themselves. And it's the same thing in business. You know, the beginning, you're still trying to figure out how does this work best for my brand? And as you go, it gets easier and easier. And if you're thinking about it all the time and you're being consistent with the execution and, you know, customers and prospects will start to feel that as well. Yeah, yeah. It's like us. We went from like saying we're sassy this, sassy that to printing, don't be a sasshole on a t-shirt. It's like, yeah, yeah. the market was ready. It, yeah, it works. And you were consistent. Mm. You know, you used the like the sassy and sassiest. You use that consistently over time and. It's good. Uh, side note, I thought Ted Lasso was one of the characters in Toy Story, but apparently not. <laughs> so, um, okay, let's move uh, into the uh, the end here of this episode. It was great getting these uh, insights from you, Lenny. It's going to have an impact for sure with us. But um, looking in the future, what what what's happening on your side the next few years? Well, definitely world domination. Yep, um, I like that. <laughs> I remember the dream board. It's always the end game, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's always the end game. <laughs> um, no, just, um, you know, continuing work in this field, working on some interesting projects right now in the, um, the EV space with some AI software and stuff like that. Um, but What is the EV space? Uh, electric vehicles. Oh, okay, that space. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. M Mr. Tesla, like I thought Elon Musk was like uh, next to Scarlett Johansson, like your idol. Uh, he is. And I saw also that he got the green light for putting those chips in people's brains now. So yeah. it's going to be interesting for sure. Oh, with Neuralink. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I hadn't read that. Yeah, he just got the green green light. That's a little bit scary. That's a little bit scary. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I won't. Know. People are going to die. In the beginning, people are going to die. <laughs> yeah, but people die anyway. So, all right. But uh, is there anything particular that uh, you're looking for right now, Linda? Anyone that can help you with anything that's listening to the show? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you need any help with your marketing, <laughs> whether it's with branding or anything like that, would love to, you know, help out or do you take jobs overseas i do okay mm -hmm. interesting and is there anyone that you think that we should bring on the show here uh so i have two names actually uh one is croatian do you guys um we do croatians that's fine okay like we we so i think we scored 10 on inclusive oh okay great so um andre zinkovic uh he's one of the co-founders at fullfunnel.io yep okay i don't know if you know him but um i follow him on linkedin yep. and they he and i think his other co-founder they just always have such great interesting posts yeah um so i think he would be really interesting and then also um janina from vendep mm. she uh so i got a chance to meet her at sassius actually and really enjoyed our conversation she uh started out um working in marketing and then became a SaaS founder and then ended up 
uh, I guess she said that was a horrible experience, <laughs> but a great experience. And then uh, ended up working on the VC side uh, as the platform marketing director, which sounded really fascinating. And I just saw that she was recently promoted to investment director. Mm. So I thought she might be an interesting guest as well. Very, very good suggestions. We'll make sure to, to, to follow up with both of them. Cool. Cool. All right. Linda, always, uh, always a pleasure. Um, this was great. Thank you so much. Very insightful. I always learn something uh, with you. And like, uh, I hope you still have our old dream board somewhere or at, at, that you maintain something similar. Yeah. In a, in a, in a, in a separate episode, we'll talk well, about the, okay. the famous or infamous dream board. <laughs> that sounds good. I have a picture of it somewhere. Thomas, just so you know, we had a, anything from uh, uh, making our first $20 as a side gig. Okay. Yep. To doing 11 pull-ups. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Take care now. We'll speak soon. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. All right, Daniel. This was a quite special episode. What was your takeaways? Are you happy with your archetype? The jester? Uh, actually, very much so. You're a funny guy. Uh, I, I try to. Well, I don't try to. I just think by nature I'm funny. I don't know if everybody <laughs> agrees, but like, you know, all jokes aside, like my, my take on who I want to be as a person and also like who I want to be, you know, as a brand or our brand and so on. Like, you know, I think we want to and I want us to be, you know, creating joy and fun wherever we go. And of course, you know, also bringing some knowledge out there. But we want to do that via humor and a little bit of playfulness. Like I don't necessarily take myself too serious. And I don't think we want uh, the brand to be super, super like rigid like that. So there's, there's room for playfulness and joy. So yes, very happy. Great. And I really I, I like enjoyed this because, you know, first of all, <laughs> in the prep call we had, uh, when we said like, let's talk about brand archetypes, I must admit here, I had no idea such a thing existed. Uh, so this was, you know, a learning lesson for me as well. I had to like do a little bit of research on Google here beforehand. But I also uh, liked, which I believe many people maybe don't do enough work on. She said that there's a one way to decide your brand archetype, and that's by both you know, looking internally, who are you? Who do you want to be? What type of people do you have? What are you selling and so on? But at the end of the day, you also have to consider the market and the customers, mm. like what will land with them. And I feel that, and I'll just, I'm just going out of my gut feeling here that sometimes people decide just based inter internally, we want to be the wise ones or the funny ones and that's it. And don't necessarily check in with their, uh, their ICP if this is the, what's going to land and what's going to make them stick. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Thomas? How, how was it hanging out in this episode? Oh, it, it was great fun. Uh, and also, I think it uh, it gave value. I think a model like this can um, be um, insightful and can also clarify some things. I mean, everyone has their company values, but putting some of these archetypes can make it more powerful i think yeah did you know of the archetypes before and uh, no not not in this way at least mm -hmm. and uh, i didn't google them before the episode just a side note and um but uh, you know I, I think it's good as she mentioned um, uh, when you're doing something you can always sort of um 
check it towards your archetypes uh, and see if you if you stay true to them. Um, so um, yeah, it was great. Great having these uh, like free <laughs> consultant <laughs> sessions <laughs> in the podcast. So let's continue doing that. Yeah, if you want to come to the podcast and help us with our business, please let us know. Yeah, don't miss <laughs> our positioning exercise where April Dunford also a yeah. great episode. Yeah. So, so did you feel content? Like, did you feel that your archetype? for the business here was that what what you would have picked i'm pretty satisfied with the lover actually yeah and also the the sort of the uh, regular guy i mean that was community uh, i think both of those played into the community uh, well which uh, you know is i'm very passionate about so lovers are passionate and intimate and are motivated by desire this is so you <laughs> Brands are often sensual and empathetic, motivated <laughs> to become more emotionally and physically appealing to their audience. Yeah, you, example, man. Victoria's Secret. Uh, yeah. I saw that. But then it was uh, sort of th- th- that average uh, guy, and I'm um, typically a very yeah. average guy, I think. So You know, that should be your new quote on LinkedIn. Love makes the world go round. Yeah, but the regular guy, it's to belong, connect with others. Oh, I think that's good. Examples, Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Maybe not relating that much to that. It's it's like um, when I I read Home Depot, I think about like these um, like Hornbach and uh, other places. Yeah. Hornbach has the worst tagline in the world. It gives me anxiety. But what is it? Es ist immer was zu tun. There is always something to do. Something to do. <laughs> so German. Around the house. Yeah. So German. All right. But uh, es ist immer etwas zu, uh, zu tun in the fall as well for SAS Nordic and, and Sassiest. So what can we look forward to after the summer then? Absolutely. The, the big thing after the summer, right after the summer here, September 27th, is Sassiest Digital 2023. Oh, yeah. Yes. And in, in simple terms, it is... Europe's largest gathering of B2B SaaS operators sharing their lessons learned, their knowledge, their experience with all of us. And there's going to be multiple tracks. There's going to be a few thousand people there. And I I don't know, 50, 60, 70 speakers. But it's open and free for anybody that wants to learn and evolve. It doesn't cost anything to join we try to democratize knowledge as much as we can here in our end. Do you already have a speaker that would like to highlight that you know is coming? Uh, yes. Oh, I like that segue. And I, I can start by teasing here a little bit. You know, since we're talking about brand archetypes, personally, I've been very impressed by the brand that Gong has created. Yeah. Because it's like I go there as a like an old sales leader, like they give you great data points mm. on, you know, don't use this word because the 70% of emails were not open or whatever. Like, so they're the wise guys, but they're also funny. I don't know if you've seen the one like, you know, here's the best way to write your out of office uh, email. No, you should check out those templates for the summers now. But we're getting their CMO. We are. Udi is coming to speak at Sassiest and drop some knowledge on all of us. And there's going to be many with Udi, but like just to, to mention one person, it's going to be great to have him with us. It will be. Yeah. And I think with that, let's uh, end this episode. I, I think it uh, became quite long. But um, if you stay to the very end, like you guys, and, and see yeah, you soon again. <laughs> more, more love to you from the lover. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.